Well, good morning, everyone. I've asked the, uh, the guys in the back to give me a 25-minute warning. Um, there's so much that I wanted to share, and obviously time's a, a limit, limiting factor. Um, I was talking to a retired pastor recently. Uh, it was Lanny, as a matter of fact, and he was telling me that if you really want to make a congregation feel guilty, preach on one of two things, either prayer or evangelism. Uh, Jared, Jared hit you uh, just before he left with prayer. Today you're getting evangelism. So um, my, my goal isn't to make you feel guilty, though. That's, a, that's guilt and shame are from Satan. Uh, they're negative emotions. Uh, but I would, I would be happy to settle with a nice dose of Holy Spirit conviction this morning. So <laughs> I'll just put that out up front, okay? Um, I, it, today is not so much a deep dive. I, I, we all, we've all heard about uh, evangelism and our need to do it. It's not so much a deep dive as it is more of a, a, an exhortation and a challenge uh, to the congregation uh, this morning. So um, take it for what it is. Uh, again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty by any means, uh, but I, I definitely would love to see this body become uh, just a, a, a rich, powerful uh, witness for Christ. So if you would stand with me, we'll go ahead and read our, our passage this morning. Oh, I'm the controller, aren't I? This is the hardest thing for me. All right. All right, so let's go ahead. (laughs) That may happen a lot. Uh, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to the lost. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, as we come before you this morning, I pray for this congregation that uh, ears would be open and hearts would be soft, a a fertile field for your word. Uh, Lord, I pray for my own uh, shortcomings. Uh, I am a a man of stammering speech, I know, Um, so not for my own glory, but that I would not get in the way of what you're trying to say, that I would not be a hindrance. Uh, Lord, I just pray for a certain amount of eloquence this morning. Again, not to be a hindrance, but that you'd be glorified and that your word would be transmitted properly and clearly. Uh, and so, Lord, we just commit ourselves to you this morning, uh, that we hear what you're saying, uh, not just be hearers, but then to be doers as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You, you may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> so... A lot of today has been tremendous. Mike, uh, Mike took some of my passage this morning. Um, John's prayer ties in nicely, happy with the communion. We are to be doers. We are to be servants. 
Um, but it's driven by one overwhelming, one overriding function. And Paul starts this passage with this verse and this idea. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Now, I would prefer to see the word for there because in our modern English, we can take that as one of two ways. It's the love of Christ, our love for Christ, or the love for Christ for us that controls everything that we do. Now, our love for him should follow, but it's really the love of Christ flowing through us that causes us to want to do to him. I'll flesh that out more, but that's the overriding purpose of what we, 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 uh, why we serve. So there are a lot of things in our lives that want to control us, right? Uh, for some of us, it's our appetites. Uh, maybe it's our spouses, certain habits, uh, certain sins. They desire to control us. Uh, but Paul says, quite matter-of-factly, you can't argue with that, for the love of Christ controls us. So the question is, does it? Does it? Now for Paul, who wrote this, it obviously did. I don't have to, time to recount his entire life story, his life history, but it's quite obvious that the love of Christ controlled Paul. You think of the, um, the beatings, the stonings, imprisonment, shipwrecks, everything that he endured, and nothing stopped him from sharing Christ, going to the nations and sharing Christ. The question is, does it control us? Now, I, I can't judge that. Only you can do that. And, and prayerfully, by the end of this morning, we take that under consideration and just kind of measure where we are in our own walk. Uh, walk. So, Paul, again. Um, I didn't put that verse in. Paul, uh, in Philippians 3, 8, says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So Paul put aside everything. Uh, he was a very learned man. He was a, a rabbi, um, a Pharisee, and yet he put everything aside because the life, love of Christ compelled him or controlled him to, uh, to serve Christ with everything that he had. He understood that love of Christ uh, on a level most of us, I'll speak for myself, that I don't truly get, I don't think so. Uh, I aspire to it, uh, but I can't say that often the love of Christ controls everything that I do. I remember when I first started coming here two and a half years ago, actually, Happy uh, preached a message. It was based on the Campus Crusade uh, for Christ model of who's on the throne of your life. Uh, it's either Christ or it's itself, and too often, uh, as he pointed out then, it's self. But we should aspire to that, and, and Paul, above all else, uh, I think modeled that very well because he understood the ramifications of Christ's love for us um, and that it should control us to the point of putting aside everything to follow Christ. Well, I sort of like a different version. Uh, uh, New King James Version uses the word compels, and I, I sort of like that because to me it speaks more of our motivation. Um, the love of Christ compels me. Whatever I do, it should be driven by a love for Christ. Because again, I'm not sure that it always controls me. It should, but it definitely gives me that motivation to love. Um, the love of Christ compels us. Uh, compels us how, you might be asking, and to what? Well, thankfully, I'm sort of dense, so Paul answered that. Oops, 
I already had it up. So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So we're not to live for ourselves. Again, that's what Paul said in Philippians um, 3 there. But um, it is to live for him who died, sacrificed himself for us. Again, the prayer and, and communion, that was perfect for today to, to highlight that. Um, so again, how, how does it control and, and to what? And, and I'm glad you asked because Paul, again, answers those questions. Um, it's so that we are no longer to live for ourselves, but for Christ. Now, Paul says the same thing in a couple of different places in the Bible, and he says it in a few different ways. So I, I think of 1 Corinthians 6, uh, where he, he tells us that we're bought with a price. And what is that price? It's Jesus giving his own life, um, dying for our sins, so that we should have life eternal with him. It's Jesus giving his own life so that we should, and because of that, we should honor and glorify God with our own bodies. Um, and that's what my, one of my favorite verses, my go-to verses, um, you don't have to memorize a lot, but what you do, memorize it well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, uh, I, I think it makes the point very clear what's expected. And Paul writes, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So in view of God's mercy, what does that mean? Well, it, we've been talking about it. It's Christ's substitute, a, a sinless, perfect man who died for sinful people. He took our punishment. We, we know Romans, right? The wages of sin is death. And because Christ paid that penalty for us, even though he didn't have to, that's the great mercy, taking our punishment on himself. And because of that great mercy, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice. So when we talk about service, um, this is why we serve. This is why we serve. Uh, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice. And Paul says, this is a, an act of worship. We serve as an act of worship to God. This is the, the starting point of, of everything we do as a Christian. Everything that I say about evangelism from this point forward, I want you to have this mindset as we go, that this is the starting point. Our love for Christ should motivate us, compel us to do. And it's not just evangelism, it's everything. It's every act of service. Um, but it, it should motivate everything we do uh, about uh, evangelism. Everything we do is based on our love for Christ and what he's done. So there's nothing we do, again, that obtains us our salvation. Does everybody agree with that? Nothing we do obtains our salvation or puts us somehow in God's good grace. Um, to, to highlight the distinction, um, religion calls for sacrifice in order to obtain mercy, but in Christ, mercy is the basis for our sacrifice. Giving ourselves to God's service is the result of the mercy we've received. That's what Romans 12:1 is all about. Um, everything we do should be as a result of an understanding of just how much 
of a dilemma we were in. Again, we, we deserved death and just how great an act of mercy Jesus performed. Uh, all of our sacrifices, all of our service should be rooted exclusively in the love of Christ that controls or compels us. And that, not for our own sake. We're no longer to live for ourselves, Paul said. We're to live, um, to sacrifice ourselves to him who sacrificed himself for us. And again, if you reverse that order, we develop a worship system based on works. So again, we, we desire to serve the Lord now, um, but what should we do? Um, should we just do whatever we want? Now, I, I was thinking about this, and I, I know some guys I think are particularly bad about this, but um, when you give a birthday gift, do you give a gift that you want to your spouse? I mean, it works for me because Valerie's, Valerie's the handyman, handy woman, uh, so if I get a circular saw, she really likes the circular saw, but... <laughs> But most of us, too often, we, we get gifts that we get to play with later, right? Uh, it doesn't really work that way. And, it, and if you do that, let me know uh, if it is working well with you. If, I might get a different story from your spouse. But um, it, it's a good idea to give what the person, what would be pleasing to them. So my question for this is, what was important to Jesus? And again, thankfully, he doesn't leave us um, hanging he gives us a clue. He gives us an understanding of what exactly he wants. Uh, and it's a good thing because, let, let's face it, I, I know myself, uh, and Jesus hung around with the disciples, and I, I, I was going to count how many times he asked them, are you still so dull? So he gets it, right? He gets it. We, we need some help. We need some prodding uh, in understanding what he, what he wants. Sometimes we're, we're, kind of, um, we're kind of dense. So he does. He tells us. He, he knows, and he gives us an answer. Uh, Luke 19.10, Jesus tells us what he desires. He cared about the lost, so we should care about the lost. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. That's his mission statement. That's his mission statement. Everything that he did was focused towards that, um, to seek, seek and save the lost. And when we, when we think of the love of Christ compelling us to do something, then a desire to seek and save the lost should be driven by that love. So the bad news is, uh, I don't know if I have to tell you this, but this isn't natural to us. We're born sinners. We're, we're sort of selfish, right? We're selfish creatures, uh, too often concerned with our own comfort, um, our reputation, uh, our portion of whatever it is, our fill-in-the-blank. We've all got our something that, that we desire for ourselves. Um, but the good news is that Paul said that if anyone is in Christ, they are what? A new creation, right? We read that. A new creation. Um, as C.S. Lewis, uh, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm going I'm to butcher it, but he said, it's not that we're new or, uh, creations of a better kind. We, we, we try to forgive. We try not to lie. We try to, we try to serve. We try to evangelize in our own power. It's doomed to failure. But thankfully, we're new creatures, cre cre <laughs> creations, it works too, it's, it's Mike's English. We're, we're new creations, we're, we're new creatures indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have to try, it's the Holy Spirit empowering us and, and helping us to do these things. Um, not just better of the old kind, but, but absolutely actually new. Uh, and again, this is something that only God does in us. 
It, only God does this. We, we can change for so long, but as soon as somebody really gets under your skin, forget the forgiveness part, right? Um, as soon as I really want something, forget the don't steal part, or if, if I need to cover my tracks really bad, then I might tell a lie. Um, those, those are works of the flesh, and they won't work. Um, so the Holy Spirit um, working in us, making us a new creation, it, it changes us from being spiritually dead to being spiritually, spiritually alive. So that then we then desire to do the things of God. So being spiritually alive is also what makes it now possible for us to love God. Typically when we speak of evangelism, uh, most people think of doing something. I have to go evangelize now. I have to go be a witness. Um, but rather, we want to come to the place uh, where we want to be an evangelist, uh, one who desires to share Jesus because of our love for Jesus, um, not because it's something that we have to do. It's because of who we are. Now, I, I do it. I'm not good at it. Um, we had an, an outreach last summer sometime, I can't remember, uh, at, at the laundromat, and um, I can speak to people. It's not natural to me. I'm, I'm generally, this is terrifying to me. I'm an introvert, um, pretty shy, but uh, to stand up here and do this. But God gives you the power, um, but I can tell you, uh, I, I told her I was going to mention her, if you want to see someone who doesn't do evangelism, but who is, is an evangelist, uh, Ginger Callahan or Marlene Dunphy, uh, the love of Christ just exudes, and it's a part of their speech. It's just a part of who they are, and that's what we're called to become, to be. Um, and it's all, again, because of the love of God uh, in us and our love for him. And evangelism and our, our love for God are inextricably linked. Uh, I'm going to show you how. So there are actually, uh, we, we call them the great commandments. I'm sure you, you can name them. Um, one is, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is like it, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we, the church, especially in this country, we do a really good job of loving the Lord our God with all of our mind. Uh, we have more material, more um, books, more Bible studies, more videos, more you fill in the blank um, um, than we know what to do with or time to watch, actually. We have more than any other nation or any other time in history. So knowledge isn't our problem. Um, but I, I submit that we have a discipleship problem. The first time I heard the phrase, it was Chuck Colson, I don't know if it's original to him, but uh, he said in this nation that We've got a Christianity that's 3,000 miles wide and an inch deep. Everybody's a believer until you talk to them and you find out not everybody's a believer or a true disciple. Um, <laughs> I, I hesitated. I was wondering whether to share this. I didn't bring the video. I kind of wish I would. But, uh, and I don't know what your opinion is of Francis Chan, but this is right on. Uh, he gave an example of his daughter, and he, he, says, he said, Rachel, go clean your room. And so she, she disappears for a little while. Lenny, this is the thing. I, I share your stories and other people's stories. I don't have any of my own. But, so she disappears for a little while, and, and she comes back, and she said, 
I remember what you told me. You told me to go clean my room. I memorized it in Greek, <laughs> but she didn't clean her room. And I think that's a problem in our country. See, love, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, it's an action. It's an action verb biblically. It involves some type of doing. It's not for the sake of doing. It's, again, because the love of God controls us. We need to make that distinction, and that's why I hit it at the very beginning. I want to make it very clear. But it's an action verb. It involves doing it, and we're to do it not just with our uh, minds, but with our hearts, our soul, and our strength, or if you want to put it in modern terminology, with every fiber of our being. See, spiritual maturity isn't measured in how much we know. It's measured by how obedient we are in applying what we know. So I, I'm going to come back to discipleship later on, um, but we'll, we'll move on here. Um, Jesus himself, you may disagree with me that obedience is a mark of spiritual maturity, but I don't think you can argue with Jesus. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So we see this link repeatedly throughout Scripture. A couple of examples came to mind. We don't have time to follow them, but Abraham with his son Isaac. Go sacrifice your son. Abraham went to sacrifice his son. Now, thankfully, the Lord intervened, and he didn't actually have to do it. Uh, personally, I think it was a test of obedience. Um, I think of King Saul. This is a case where he failed when he was told to wipe out the Amalekites. Don't leave anything, he was told. And when Saul returns later, what's that bleeding of the sheep's I, sheep's, sheep I hear? Um, Saul failed to be obedient, and he suffered the consequences, right? Um, in fact, not only did he not obey, but um, Saul told him to obey is better than sacrifices. So, you know, if, if, we, if we just pay lip service um, to, to what God says, uh, Saul says that, uh, uh, Samuel said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So not only are we called to obedience, but there's some firm warnings when we don't obey. Well, uh, as I thought about this, I wondered if Jesus ever told us specifically what commands were to, uh, we were to obey. And thankfully, again, because I'm pretty dense, he did. Um, he actually gave us a few, but for today, uh, one re relates specifically to our, our message for evangelism. We know it as the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Again, thinking of... Jesus saying, if you love me, obey my commands. Well, here's a command, isn't it? Go, therefore, and make disciples. And loving God and loving our neighbors is what drives the idea. And since, um, since to fulfill the Great Commission is to love the Lord your God 
and then to go share that. Now, you just can't separate the two. You can't. They go hand in hand. Love for God, obey, uh, go and make disciples. We don't have the option to say no. Now, too often, try to go back here, most people start, we'll just keep going. Uh, most people, most people, uh, huh? Most people start there. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Well, that's fine. Jesus said go therefore, but we forget the therefore. Why are we to do it? Because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Where are my military folks? Just a quick show of hands. I know I got a lieutenant colonel in here somewhere. I saw him. There he is. Uh, I know I've got some majors. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct it at the, uh, the non-officers, if there were any. So, well, a lieutenant colonel gives a, a private a command. Does the private have the option to say, no, sir, I don't think I'm going to do that? Uh, a legal command, a, a, a real command, right? A true, honest-to-goodness command. You don't have the option to do that. What's that? One time. One time. There you go. There you go. There's going to be some kind of, uh, there's going to be some kind of reprimand for that. Uh, serious issue, maybe the brig or, or uh, KP duty, whatever. Uh, there's going to be some kind of reprimand. Thankfully, we serve a God that doesn't punish us, but we can lose the obedience, right? So, but we don't have the option. It's, it's all authority has been given to me, therefore go. It's not an option. Now, I know there are some who will raise a couple of um, uh, objections to that. One is, I don't have the personality for it, or I'm not gifted that way. Does not matter. Does not matter. You have a personality to do something. You have a gifting to do something. You may not be Billy Graham to go out and speak to hundreds of thousands of people, but you do have a neighbor that you share life with or should be sharing life with. Uh, I, I became convicted of this. Uh, I, I just finished up. I'm, I'm working on my master's. It was an evangelism class. Surprise, surprise, why we're doing this today. Uh, but I've become quite aware of how insulated I've become. Uh, I used to drive for a living. I met the United Nations of people every day, every nation, every tongue. Just walk into a 7-Eleven, you know what I mean. Um, uh, now I sit in an office in a church all day where theoretically we're all believers. I come to the church and theoretically again we're all believers. Uh, my family, thank God, I'm not complaining, all saved. Um, all my friends are saved people. Uh, it's become quite uh, uh, eye-opening to me just how insulated I've become and not dealing with unsaved people. And that's got to change. Uh, if you want to pray for me, that's, that's one area I have to be intentional in, in changing that. But I do have neighbors. I know the spiritual condition of the majority of them. They need Christ. Uh, so um, to say we don't have the gifting or the ability, um, that's just not true. You, you can talk to people, you can, you can share Christ, and as I mentioned with Ginger, it should be out of that love for Christ that compels us to just share who he is, who he was, what he's done for us. Um, you think also about the, the gifting of evangelism. Most people will go to Ephesians 4, uh, where it talks about prophets and teachers and evangelists, and you say, well, there, see, there's, there's people that actually do this. Well, that sounds good until you read the context. The purpose of the evangelist is to 
equip the saints for ministry. So who are the saints? That's you and I. It's the purpose of the evangelist to equip us to do ministry. And then the second part of that is, thankfully, we've been given the power and the ability to do that. Acts, I went back. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When did we receive the Holy Spirit? As soon as you got saved, right? Did he ever leave you? Does he ever leave you? No. Go back to the Great Commission. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Always is a long time. The Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. We've, we've got power. That doesn't mean, uh, I know, well, I won't even go there. The, the, the power is to become Jesus' witnesses. Scripture and other places say we will be given the words to speak if we rely on the Holy Spirit to do so. So again, you may not feel like it's your thing or that you can do it, um, but the Lord has promised his presence and he's, he's promised the power and the words to accomplish it. Um, so with, the, with, the, uh, with his presence comes the power and like I, uh, we just read, he said we will be his witnesses. And, and that's the best part of being a new creation in Christ is the Holy Spirit indwelling us to accomplish what he's given us to do. So again, our, our responsibility in this case is obedience um, and God's responsibility is the results. So what we need to do is just be obedient to the command and let God worry about it. Um, God's always working. So, so I'm going to take a look at what Paul says uh, somewhere else about this, about this working, right? So Paul in Philippians, maybe I'm not, can you advance that for me? I'm doing something wrong apparently. Paul, am I doing something wrong? No. Okay. Oh, oh, that's my 25 minutes? Holy cow. <laughs> Let's fly. Okay, so, so, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's not dependent on us. It's the Holy Spirit working in us, both to will and to do, and work for his good pleasure. Uh, so again, that you, we should take solace in that and comfort in that knowing that God is the one that's going to enable us. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, when I did this at home, I'm like at 15 minutes, so I'm rambling, sorry. Um, so again, it's the Holy Spirit, um, and he's given us the job to do, uh, one that comes with our salvation and because of our salvation. So uh, going back to our passage again, real quick, all this comes from God, uh, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation uh, that is, in Christ Jesus, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. So uh, God, through Jesus' sacrifice, reconciled us first for the job of reconciling others. That's our job. Ministers of reconciliation. Uh, preaching the good news of the gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, um, to those who are still lost in darkness. See, he finishes with, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Um, it, it, when we th 
when we think of lost people, um, it's, it's easy. They're, act people, they're lost people acting like lost people. They do things, but they're not our enemy. They're victims of the enemy. Uh, and we're to called to reconciling them to, our, uh, to, to Christ. Um, and, and think about another thing about ambassadors. Um, you, we've read stories in the newspaper about ambassadors that uh, have ref reflected poorly on their country, right? Uh, they do things, and, and by their behavior, you can either draw a positive uh, picture of the country they represent, or they can paint a negative picture of the country they represent. And we're not too different. Um, two weeks ago, or last week, Lanny talked about the attributes of a Christian. Um, and two weeks ago, Jordan talked about service. Um, all of these things, when we talk about um, um, the way we behave, I know people's radar goes up. You, you get labeled, uh, I'm, I'm trying to put you under the law, or behavior modification, or, or moralism, but that's not the case. If we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us again, these attributes should be evident, and they're for a purpose. Uh, the Apostle Peter tells us what that is. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Are we temporary residents and foreigners? Yes, we are. This world is not our home. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Why? Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That's it. Our behavior points people back to the Lord and gives him honor and gives him glory. Again, we're, we're not saved for ourselves. We're saved for a mission uh, driven by our love for Christ. Um, you know, I, w I wasn't going to do this, but there's, there's a probably don't have time to do it, but you're going to get it anyway. There's a, a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings, uh, chapters 6 and 7. Uh, it talks about the, the Assyrians are besieging uh, Samaria. Uh, they're locked up. They're, no food. Water's running out. They're starting to eat their animals. It's, they're in a dire situation. Um, outside the city compound, there are four lepers. Now, we know from Scripture and our history, lepers were shunned. Uh, if anybody had a right to be resentful and not want to help the Sumerians, it would be the lepers. Well, God intervenes. The Assyrians take off. They leave their camp fully stocked. They just, they just take off and leave everything behind. Well, the lepers are in such a bad spot. It's like, oh, should we die or we should just go to the Assyrians and see if they'll have mercy? Well, they decide to enter the camp, and there they find all the provisions and uh, everything left behind. I want to read you one verse out of that. I do want to do that. Um, it's uh, 2, King, 2 Kings 7.9. Sorry, it's the bad thing about being old. So of all the people that might have a right to be um, bitter and resentful and not want to share, uh, there's an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it, uh, what is evangelism? It's one beggar telling another where to find bread. Well, this is, this is the response. <clears throat> this is the response of the lepers as, as they go in the camp. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. 
Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. If the lepers could see that not sharing that there's an abundance of food with the rest of the Sumerians is not right, how much more should we who have the bread of life feel a need to share it with those who are starving to death? How much more? Well, we talk about behavior, and uh, there's another quote, uh, Thomas of Assisi. Uh, There's some doubt whether the quote is actually from him, but it says, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Mike's paraphrase. I say that's wrong. I say that's wrong. We can, by our behavior, build a bridge to the lost people. But if you don't tell them how to cross, you just love your neighbor straight to hell. So the apostle um, Paul again, uh, we'll we'll, we'll go through these uh, just because they're important and I put them in there. Uh, Christ is not magnified or glorified by ungodly behavior. Nothing nothing we do um, that dishonors God. We live in hypocrisy. Nothing we do that's bad behavior glorifies God. Uh, We are changed by the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer. That's where the source of power comes from. Our Christian attributes and service are indicators of the change in us and help us in our mission. And then uh, I appreciate the list of attributes and the call to service, but they're not an end unto themselves. They're not. Um, we, they should definitely be manifest in the life of a Christian, uh, beginning to be manifest in the life of the Christian, but they're all for one purpose, and that's to glorify God. Uh, otherwise, we say that the Holy Spirit cannot and is not changing us. And if we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, that, that can't be the case. So back to my original thought about building bridges, the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 um, tells us how then will they call on him whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard and how are they going to hear without someone to preach well who is the someone we're the someone and how are they to preach unless they are sent as, as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news that's our whole mission that's what we're called to do uh, that glorifies God that was his purpose, that should be our purpose, purpose in life too. Well, I don't wanna to go too long, so I'm gonna quit there, but um, I'm gonna ask you a question and then I'm gonna give you some application. So, uh, it's a riddle. How is the Dead Sea and, like, and our faith alike? Okay, I'm gonna give it to you. So, what makes the Dead Sea the Dead Sea is the first question. It has no outlet. Water flows in uh, with all the minerals, all the salts, and then it evaporates and it leaves the minerals behind. It's, the mineral content is so high, uh, I won't say nothing because there are, there are a few microbes and things, but, but virtually no life lives there. It's a, it's a dead sea because, it's called a dead sea because it is a dead sea, and it's a dead sea because there's, there's no life that, that can live there. So then the, the second part of that, how is that like our faith? Well. Our faith needs an outlet. Uh, again, you may argue with me, but thankfully, uh, Jesus said, um, um, James tells us that faith without works is a dead faith. So if there's no expression of your faith, if, it's, if you're not reaching your neighbor, if you're not serving, if, if these are not a part of your life, 
you really need to do a self-examination. Again, I, I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. Uh, if you're feeling convicted, that's a good thing. Now, I said I wasn't going to make you feel guilty, but Charles Spurgeon, on the other hand, uh, I'm going to leave you with this thought uh, and then give some applications. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. I'm going to let, you sit, let that sink in. Uh, I'm going to leave it there and then give you some, some applications. So today, uh, Rachel Pollard is here with the Redeem Network. Um, you've heard some of that already, of what that's about. Um, she, she is with an organization that helps with adoptive and foster care. Now, we're not asking you necessarily, unless the Lord's leading you to do that, to be an adoptive parent or a foster parent, but we can meet needs. This is an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ, um, sharing the love of Christ in a tangible, physical way, but it's with the intent then of dealing with the public, uh, dealing with the lost, where we can then proclaim the gospel so that we can take people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We don't do it, God does it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, we work with God at what he's doing, but it's gotta be proclaimed, and this gives us an opportunity. Uh, Rachel will be here today. Um, if you're interested in finding out, it's an informational meeting over in the gym alcove. Um, how can you be a part of this? We'd love to have you there. We've got several um, outreaches planned in the future. Uh, thanks. Um, several outreaches, and the goal is the same. Now, we may not, we may not uh, be able, in some of the circumstances, to, to fully preach the gospel, but I firmly believe that if God's got someone prepared, their heart is prepared and they're ready, uh, he'll bring them to us and we'll have that opportunity. Um, so I, I, my prayer is that sometime uh, this, this fall, late summer, uh, you'll join us. Um, Leslie, I, I, I was said, said I wasn't going to say this, uh, and I should preface it with a, a, a lot, because I don't want to be offensive. Um, Jared started the Lay Bible Institute, uh, and one of the classes is Greek, and he had 38 people sign up. Now, I'm going to say this part, and I know there are a lot of reasons why a lot of the folks that would have joined us are out of town. Um, we, we did an outreach last year, and one person showed up. One person. Um, now, again, I can, I can put a lot of caveats on that, and I certainly understand, you know, everybody's life circumstances is different. But obedience to what we know and applying it is spiritual maturity. So uh, with the outreaches and the Redeem Network, um, we mentioned the discipleship triads. There's an informational meeting next Sunday after the service. We talk about this, one of the things that attracted me to this church, and I think probably the only reason I got hired, was uh, the verse in 2 Timothy 2.2, where it's disciples making disciples. Discipleship is lacking, folks. We're 3,000 miles wide and an inch deep, and it begin, begins, I was never properly discipled, intentionally properly discipled. It probably took me 20 years to get to a place that within a year or two years, if somebody would have taken the time would have gotten me to, um, uh, to where it took me 20 years. Uh, that not ought to be the case. So some of us uh, in, this, in this room, and it's not an age thing, it's a spiritual maturity thing, uh, you should be passing along your, your faith uh, to someone who's not quite so far along, who should be passing it along to someone who also is not quite so far along. 
It's disciples making disciples. It begins with outreach, follow-up, growth, and training, and it doesn't stop there. You repeat the cycle, and that's what I'm so thrilled with about the uh, discipleship triads. Um, listen, if, if, if we begin to witness to this community through Redeem Network, through our outreaches, God's working somewhere. Um, I, he's working in people's hearts. That should mean that if we're opening our mouth and proclaiming the message of reconciliation, if we're being ambassadors, people should be being added to our roles daily. That's what Acts 2, that's what happened. If we're truly living for Christ, living Christ God-honoring lives, people should be added, and they're going to need people to disciple them. So that's the long-term vision for the, uh, the discipleship triads. I'm, I'm so thankful for Tom and Caleb these two guys are very solid. They didn't need me to walk them through this, but uh, now they're trained to do the same thing with the next, next generation of folks. Um, so uh, one more thing, and then, then we'll dismiss. Um, out in the, the lobby, um, there's no reason we can't start today. I've put a bunch of resources out there. Uh, there's a small card. It's called a PAC card. There's a Ministry Acts 1-8. Uh, if you're not comfortable sharing your faith, hand the card. It's just... Um, I'm, uh, it packed, planned, act of, planned acts of Christian kindness. It tells, do something nice. Give them the card. It explains why you did it. God loves you, loved me enough. I love you. I want you to know Christ. Uh, the pack cards, there are tracks out there. Uh, take some tracks, hand them out, take them all. I've got about 3,000 of them in the, in the office there. Take them all. Uh, there are some Bibles, take one. It's the Roman road is highlighted in it. Uh, again, if you're not comfortable, you don't have it memorized, take the little Bible. It's tiny. Uh, it gives you the, the words to say. Uh, if somebody indicates, uh, without being pushy, it, it, but they indicate a, a willingness or a need to, uh, to accept Christ, you've got it right there. Use it. Uh, so those materials are out there. I, I pray for you to take them. Um, not to toot a horn, uh, again, I want to encourage you, start now, there's no reason. If you're going to lunch this afternoon, uh, take, take the pack card, take the track, uh, be, be very nice to the server, uh, because ungodly behavior does not draw anyone to Christ, and leave a big tip, and then leave the material. Uh, your, your willingness to go above and beyond says something about you, and prayerfully they'll be intrigued enough to, to follow up. So let's pray, and then I'll give it back to Mike. Father God, I, I pray this morning uh, that your word hit the mark, uh, Lord, that we would be more willing to trust you. That's what it comes down to, to trust that you are with us, that you've given us the power, that you've given us the words, and then to be obedient in following up. We just say this morning, we love you, we thank you, uh, sinners like us, and yet you use us for your purposes that's an amazing thing, and we just give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.